ladies, gentlemen, and podcast fans around the world, welcome back to Better Than Most Things with your hosts, Sean and Max. Hello. Hey, thank you very much, Producer Mystery. Thank you. Thank hey, you. guys, we got something special for this episode here. We're going to try something new. Um, this is going to be a uh, huh? Mr. E exclusive called Mr. E's Experience. He's been teasing this for five minutes, and I'm scared. Yeah. Yes, this has been teased for a long time. <laughs> for all the five minutes, yes. <laughs> so the name of this segment is Was It Aliens? Okay. Well, was it aliens? The answer is yes. I'm literally wearing my... I'm not saying it was aliens, but it was aliens. Sure. I know. Ironic, too. <laughs> this is ironic. So have you guys heard of the famous abduction story of Betty and Barney Hill? No. Perfect. I'm going to say no, yes. Okay. I want more about it. So it was a famous abduction story in 1961 that is pretty much the original alien abduction story. Okay? Uh So I'm going to walk you through this story, and we're going to go over stuff. Okay. I'm going to present evidence to you, and you guys are going to debate. Now, what are you going to be debating? Well, one person is going to debate on the skeptic side. And one person is going to be pro-alien side. Okay. Okay. There was a Jeopardy game we played a little more than a month ago where Sean won, and I said the winner of that game got an advantage. I forgot about this. Ooh. So you get to choose which side you defend, pro-alien, or do you want to be the skeptic? Am I trying to win? There's no winner here. (laughs) This is all for fun. There's not going to be any time limits. But if you lose, you're a bitch. Yeah, it's it's all for fun. So. So the skeptic side is... Anything but aliens. Correct. And the yeah. alien side and is I'll, aliens. And I'll present evidence. Like I said, we'll go little by little. I'll, I'll explain a little excerpt of the story, present some evidence. Okay. okay. And then uh, you guys, I'll have some questions for you. You guys can chime in and we'll start debating. I want to take Let's the anti-alien side. Oh, the skeptic Thank side. God. Awesome. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> Thank God. Oh. <laughs> all right. I'm sweating that decision. Woo. Okay. So once cool. again, this is all for fun. There's no time limits, no concrete winner. It's just two people exercising, debating, and, imp- and improv skills. Okay. okay. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the story segment by sec- segment and stop, but feel free to stop me at any time if you want to like make a quick point or something. Okay. Okay? Are we ready to get started <laughs> yes. with the story yes. of Benny and Barty Hill? Let's do it. Okay. The Hills were, from all angles, a normal couple. Betty was a social worker who graduated from the University of New Hampshire, and her husband, Barney, was a postal worker. Both Betty and Barney were active civil servants in their community, members of the NAACP, and members of their local Unitarian Church. In addition, Barney was on the local board of the U.S. Civil Rights Commission. Okay, so these sound like reasonable people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Their Some lives were like touch. everyone else's until the night of September 19th, 1961. According to the couple, on the evening in question, they were driving to the White Mountains of New Hampshire, returning to their home in Portsmouth from Montreal, Canada. At about 10 p.m., they stopped for coffee at a roadside diner at pace to arrive home at 3 a.m. Okay. So this is a five-hour drive from 10 through 3 a.m. Okay. So can this affect their judgment going forward? It's late at night. Who knows? Okay. Back on the road again and on the way home, they begin to see lights approach them from the sky that seem to grow larger and larger. Hmm. According to reports... Betty looked out of the passenger window and noticed that the bright light seemed to be following them. She asked Barney to pull over so they could get a better look at the object. After stepping out of the car and utilizing a pair of on-hand binoculars, they claimed to have seen a spacecraft land in a field. What they saw next truly terrified them. The couple claims that they saw bipedal humanoid creatures in in the spacecraft. 
They raced back to their car and tried to get back on the highway. But before they could, they became but before they could, they began hearing a series of loud beeps and felt an odd tingling and drowsiness come over them. Okay, so let's stop here and discuss some stuff. Aliens, so, bro. <laughs> so one. anything but sleep deprivation, maybe? What do we feel about that? It's three AM. Well, what to make the drive? They got coffee. You mentioned they did get the, coffee. The, you said they yes. got coffee. Uh-huh. And the the timeline is not pro alien. That's all I'm gonna say, right? Like why why just come forward and say this? He said they were, you know, postal worker, church, and a WACP, whatever the fuck, uh, civil rights commissions, like uh-huh. you know. Yeah. They decided they, like they're they're kinky and it's like let's let's talk about we got abducted by aliens to okay. everyone. Yeah. That's kinda is weird. Is this an elaborate hoax? It's kinda I weirder mean, to do that, right? Then it's almost less weird to be abducted by aliens than just to say it. That's all I gotta say. Well, I'm gonna say anything else, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh simply because it could have been anything they saw. They how old were these people? Do we know? Um, I don't have it here. I can I guess I could look it up, but yeah, I don't want to waste some time if here. If they're an old couple with failing eyesight, they could have misinterpreted. What, what I they gathered saw. is they were like in their they were middle aged. So they were in like their forties, I believe. And back in nineteen sixty one, I mean that's you're half you're almost dead, dead at that yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah, anything but <laughs> <laughs> we think it's a military experiment or something. Flashing lights, landing in a field. Well, it was until they claimed bipedal people. Well, that's what I was thinking, too. Does bipedal mean maybe mistaken for humans? If they're both bipedal? I mean, if they're wearing humanoid. a suit or something. Did they mention they're wearing suits? Are they naked? Later, they'll get a good, a good description of them. Okay. So, yes. like, that's, I think the whole point there's is they, more, obviously, more juice they obviously didn't look like something. Let me you know, you just say, oh, humans. Human guys. But I know that's not a human. Exactly, because they're like, I mean, not, I don't want to infer anything, but their legs are probably super thin. Yeah. Right, because of the shape of them. Or maybe yeah, they're the thick boys. Who knows? Maybe they're super fat. Who knows? Okay. So uh, what, do we, what do we know about the legitimacy of this accounting? Who is this coming from? I was what wondering that, too. Like, where are we them? getting these accounts? It's just them, yeah. Telling so, a story. Telling a story, yeah. But who we will get to, deeper into their story. Like, who, who um, they there are people that interview them, and we'll get into that. So. Yeah, okay. Are we ready to continue? Any more points? Okay. When they regained consciousness two hours later... They were 35 miles further along the highway where they started. While they had no recollection of the last two hours, they did have physical signs. I'm sorry, signs of physical disruption. Betty's dress was torn and stained. Barney's shoes were scraped. Their binocular strap had been broken. And there were shiny, unexplainable spots on the exterior of the car. Okay, so that's a lot of specific detail. Do you think that someone makes that stuff up? I mean... Was the car damaged beforehand? What do we well, think? You know, there? extreme. When you get around aliens, sometimes there's radiation. Yeah. And, like, you know how the classic, like, porthole windows? Yeah. All that radiation just shot out and made spots on the back. We all know how this works, gentlemen. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. We all know this. I mean, okay, that's – can't explain that, but the – they lost two hours of time and they were 35 miles away. So, like, what? They just – That's strange. They both had, like, an aneurysm and just drove down the road? No. Here's what happened. Okay. Um – so I'm guessing I'm just going to assume they have really straight roads, okay? 35 miles of just straight road, and they were both super tired, fatigued. I don't know. Maybe they had a few road sodas, and uh, <laughs> they both fell asleep, at, or one of them fell asleep at the wheel after the other one already conked out. And their steering, their alignment on their car was just excellent, just nice. excellent, okay, yeah. excellent. So it just went straight for 35 Got miles. <laughs> Until whatever they until whatever they crashed into and scraped up the car and left the paint. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it scraped off the paint, showing silver uh-huh. underneath. Um, 
you know, until that happened. And they woke him up and then they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? Uh, uh, you know, insurance scam uh, yeah. aliens. Let me tear your dress. Yeah. yeah. Scrape yeah, up yeah. my shoes really quick. Yeah. yeah. So that's their story. Aliens is what they decide when oh, they. Oh, for sure. Because who's going to question that? With the dr- Everybody. Everyone? Everybody. We're, we're talking about it now. Prove me wrong. They could have said, like, yeah. they got sideswiped by an 18 wheeler. Like, which one I didn't see is Wonder Bread, I think. Do you think like insurance something. scam is less likely than aliens? Well. I believe in aliens per this discussion. So, uh, no, I don't believe that. Aliens is way more logical for the following reasons. There's a lot of them. They've been to Earth many times. And this couple clearly has been visited by them. Um, honestly, I don't necessarily think no one gets that lucky. No one gets – you, you can pass out and definitely go five miles. We all have done that. But 35 miles, <laughs> get out of here. Like, yeah, you don't make it the whole way. I don't care how straight their shit is. And they both happen to do it. They both just happen to fall asleep, and they're uh, reporting they see these lights beforehand that they just had to. What they get out for? What the fuck? They're like, get out. Take Let's a better see. look. That's what it said. Get the fuck away from it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's the '60s. Things were different. I know they didn't give a shit. Well, did they stop because the thing was following them, yeah. and then uh, it Is landed? This the cops in the sky, <laughs> right? Okay, so it landed, and I maybe it was info. looking to probe them peacefully, but instead they. Did they drive off or something? They resisted. Well, it said he saw the people, he saw the bipedal aliens in the spacecraft through the, the cockpit, basically, and then they took off. And then they shot like a, a ghost And then as they ray. took off, that's when they got overcome by the, the senses and, and tingly the and, and the beep yeah. boops. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And okay. then they woke up two hours later, 35 miles away. Okay. Yeah. Why would they move them? Hmm. Because they is a took debate between you well, and him. Because <laughs> you don't you don't do the experiments there. It's like oh we got a dip, so they just like busted up to the atmosphere really quick. Did their their very not illicit. Th- I don't know what they did. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely broke a binocular strap. That's for sure. Yeah, that's um, for sure. they broke that and and tore that dress. Oops, yeah. accidentally. Oops. Yeah, sorry about that. But they tried not to disturb him. But you know, aliens. You know, they're so smart. They're stupid. Right, they they like they don't realize like the, all those dumb. I cows. think maybe they just didn't pinpoint it and they put them back and they're like, oh, close enough. Yeah, like, <laughs> down, like, Thirty-five miles, close. <laughs> especially because like when they beamed them down per se, they like, you know, like the farther something way is, like the way if you're one percent off, it goes like farther away. Correct. So kind of yes. like, yeah, it's yeah. close enough, and they're just like, I don't give a shit. Let's get out of here. Well, let's get a little deeper into it. So, in the years following, both Barney and Betty experienced difficulty shaking the feeling that something bad happened to them. Betty started having nightmares, while Barney explained he had the feeling of, quote, seeing something he doesn't want to remember. He had developed a habit of checking his body for clues to the mystery of what had happened. The couple continued to struggle with this until they underwent hypnosis hypnosis therapy to help them recall what happened in those last two hours. Okay. The legitimacy of hypnosis. How do we feel about this? Uh, It's a cure-all for everything. (laughs) It definitely... It it unlocks lost memories and past everything, past lives. Solves crimes. Ghosts. (laughs) Solves crimes. You you sprinkle a little uh, hypnosis on your grades to get better. (laughs) It's perfect. Just like MSG. Like, um, well, I don't know. It's a... It's like chiropractic... How do you say that? Chiropractor-ness? <laughs> chiropractic Yeah. You know, it helps some people, and it might help you, like, kind of remember or, like, ease along some things. I want to say it's aliens, too, but sometimes hypnosis, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it could bring, I'm going to say it could bring up past things it can. It can bring up things that maybe you locked away. Perhaps these alien 
magic wands they used on these people could be broken through with the power of the mind. Tap of that fuck face. So I will include in my arguments the anything but aliens argument, which is a huge fishbowl to swim in. <laughs> uh, I will include in that argument that they may have been hypnotized by something else, maybe like a uh, uh, an ice road trucker serial killer hypnotist. Ooh. Who knows? Um, so that being said, I will uh, I will give my validation to hypnotism as a way of drawing information out of somebody. Yes. Okay. I'll go ahead and just throw my hat okay. in that ring. Okay. okay. Well, through the hypnosis sessions, they uncovered some striking experiences. The couple had similar stories of what happened. Both reported short beings with gray skin. Barney described the beings as, quote, somehow not human, dressed in shiny black uniforms, and approximated 6 to 11 of them at total. The beings took them from their car onto the ship, where Betty and Barney were put through rigorous medical examinations. Betty reported having a long needle inserted into her navel. Oof. Okay. That's pretty s- s- specific is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, you think someone could just make that up or dream it or... You know, every you guys, we're all men here, but every time a lady goes to the female doctor, someone does inject something into that's, their navel. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> this, is just, this is just what aliens would do as well. Gotcha. I mean, huh. oh, that's kind of, I mean, obviously it's intense. It sounds like they're trying to get eggs or something. Yeah, and um, they said their stories were consistent with each other, too, so... They both how saw do the, we feel about the that? egg? Well, I don't know or about that. They just <laughs> both saw the stabbies with the black... So it was, it was, they saw gray skin, not human, dressed in shiny black uniforms. That kind of sounds like the phenomenon thing we saw, too, because the kids, they mentioned... There's this kids in um, South Africa who said they uh-huh. saw a landing in 1993. And they mentioned people dressed in like like outfits or a uniform. Hmm. Actually, as if they had like some sort of something. So that is proof that these are aliens. Is this where the traditional gray skin human aliens come from? Like their traditional what we'll we consider that aliens? Very shortly, actually. Yeah, I'll uh yeah, I'll, I'll concede this one and if if again, if I accept the validity of Hypnotism, Hypnosis. sure. Well, I, my thought is, is it possible that the hypnotist nudged one of them in the same direction as the other? So, like, for example, it'd be well, like, oh, that, Betty, yes. saw, <laughs> Betty saw that. Did you also see that? And that's an easy way to say, oh, yes, I saw that as well. You know, the yeah. way you word your your phrases and everything. And assuming, so. assuming everybody knows what they're doing, like, is this guy actually hypnotizing them? Or are they preparing a... Are they reciting a prepared speech or details? It's like leading a witness. Like, it's like someone witness. admitting yeah. to like a crime they didn't commit because like, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't do this? Like, I think right. I did. Like, right. This is why the government didn't include this kind of shit in the new study that came out. Because like, it is like you can't really verify anything. Yeah, we're, right. not, we're not using a standard of tools here. Okay, so let's continue. Kathleen Martin, the niece of Barney and Betty Hill, and the director of experience research at the Mutual Unidentified Flying Object Network, or MUFON, was 13 years old at the time, and after these experiences, dedicated her entire life to becoming a UFO researcher. So, she was so convinced that this thing happened to her family that she was shook into trying to find the truth. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, something traumatic like that, and it, it stains your childhood. And you want to start of a comic book. So what? she was convinced. She's by like story. investigating aliens, and like she's like thirty three, and like you found us. It's like ah, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> takes an alien gun, cowboy and aliens shit. Ugh, so time. while their story wasn't the first report of an alien abduction, with headlines around the nation like "Did they seize this couple?" and "I was quizzed in a spaceship," 
It was the first to gain major media traction as people were blown away by the records of their 1964 hyp hypnotherapy sessions, specifically when Barney started screaming and crying hysterically when the hypnotist asked him to describe the scene of the UFO following him. A lot of the Hill's stories would both inform and uphold what would ultimately become the tropes of the typical alien abduction narratives in Western culture. Loss of time, strange dreams, terrifying flashbacks would all become typical experiences for alien abductees. So uh, let's get into some possible explanations, maybe. Aliens. Okay. Was it aliens? Yes. So while the Hill's story might have become the gold standard for the American alien abduction, their experiences might not have been wholly original. Some cite pop culture media as the source for many details in their story. Released in 1953, Invaders from Mars, a science fiction alien abduction film, includes motifs also found from the Hill abduction, most damningly a woman being stuck with needles in her navel. Son of a bitch. So how do we feel about that? Yeah, see, now that this kind of illustrates my other point. I like the idea of classifying some information and compartmentalizing and compartmentalizing it um, because that way you don't you don't disseminate it to the public and then all of a sudden this needle in the navel thing is not a standard these these tiny yeah. gray aliens with big black eyes is not a standard anymore people in the alien community do talk about that sometimes like oh what like alien abduction stories like what's some specifics they talk about and sometimes it's like well there's some specifics but i have to hold that back because i use those specifics to tell if they're kind of legit or not yeah there you go yeah, so was her mind remembering part of that movie? Or did the movie just get it right? From like four <laughs> or five years ago? Yeah, 53. Why are they both doing it? Why are they I, both remembering this movie? That's... They're both just like, man, that movie was sick. Five years later, let's do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Is it like, one of those do things, it? too, where if why you do tell it? yourself a lie long enough, it becomes a truth in your mind? Maybe. It's kind of one of those. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe they attacked. convince themselves. They're attacked by people or something, and they're like, eh, with a lot of flashlights. Maybe like, just, one just didn't want to call the other crazy, so they just went along with everything they said. <gasps> oh, yeah. I, I think know. it's aliens, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what this is. Aliens? Do you remember our first episode? Of and course. And the story we cut out about the trucker uh, yeah. that dressed his cab oh. up like... It's uh, his first time. <laughs> He dressed it up like a like a UFO surgical bay, and he would abduct people and drug them, and dress like an alien, and use strange things. He yeah, you know, he basically raped them. Alien raped shit. But yeah. uh, he did this all over the country, and he wasn't caught. For Maybe he's been doing decades. it since '61. He could have been. He was an old alien. Forgot about that guy. <laughs> Because yeah, in my mind, I feel fair. like no one's going to fall for that. But I guess they're all drugged up. I guess they could be like something weird is fucking happening. I guess it could have been. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they got out when they got out and checked out the alien spacecraft or whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe they walked through a gas leak or fucking, uh, I don't know, a poppy field. <laughs> I have a feeling right. they went on like a two-year adventure. Like they went to the alien dimension where time is different there. Oh. They had this whole like battle to get back. And of course, it broke the binoculars strap slightly. And then like two <laughs> years later, they're like, they're like, get through the portal. Ah! And like they ended up 35 miles away. But to our scuffed time, up shoes yeah, exactly. A little scuffed stuff. up, but like yeah. to our time, like nothing really went down. And they're like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" <laughs> I like the idea that her dress was torn. Like at one point, it's very creepy, you know, a girl's torn dress sort of shit. That's yeah, that's a bit sleazy. But on the other end, girls' clothing is super confusing. So I like the Maybe idea of the aliens yeah. are like, fuck "We it. need at her belly, just, <laughs> just fucking rip it." Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Maybe she was running or something around the ship or something. Like, ah. Yeah. 
So it is widely believed that Betty, who is an avid fan in science fiction and seemed to have a previous interest in UFOs, we could speculate that she would have seen invaders from Mars. In addition, an episode of The Outer Limits, a science fiction television series, featured aliens with an eerily similar appearance that Barney described. This episode aired on television only 12 days before Barney described this under hypnosis. Yeah, okay. Is that damning evidence? Depends on when, how no. long after the event <laughs> this hypnosis took place. Was it three years? Was it two yeah, days? Yeah, it's like a lot of time went by. And, I mean, who's to say those other accounts aren't from other accounts? Someone's That's... describing these aliens and they keep describing it. Although, you know, I do kind of agree there is some, you know. Some fuckery? If, yeah, if you see aliens, you might be like, oh, they look like this. So, like, it'd be it'd be nice if possibly we get people who just, like, out of nowhere, like, I don't watch TV at all and I saw this happen. Exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You want that guy who lives in the woods that yeah. you know, is somewhat still credible because he graduated Somebody's credible, yeah. I don't know. Just like the Unabomber? Yeah. That's exactly. not good. No, <laughs> not Maybe not that either. <laughs> He's got a manifesto. And you we need someone we can trust. It. Like me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. I didn't see any aliens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and as for what they saw that night, well, one man, Jim McDonald, believes he has an answer for that. In an effort to understand what they saw, McDonald painstakingly dissected every detail about the encounter, about sunset and sunrise, moonset, moonrise, one, what planets were visible, and the estimated time of their sighting based on the speed limit posted on their route. Hmm. Based on this information... McDonald attributes the sighting to an observation tower outfitted with a light atop Cannon Mountain. According to his work, McDonald was able to copy the path recorded by the hills and reproduce the recorded movement of the UFO. Uh-huh. McDonald believes that sleep deprivation contributed heavily to what happened that night. That's crazier than aliens. Say what you just said. It's got to be hypnotism. <laughs> I'm just saying, like that just is like fucking weirder than just an alien showed up. So with that. Was it aliens? No, that's some cover-up bullshit. Let's get some final thoughts Bullshit. Here. So you're now on my side? No, I'm saying that description was bullshit. Oh, oh that whole, it's definitely aliens. Yeah, oh, no, it definitely was an observant, and, and Pluto bounced off there, and <laughs> Snoopy was there. Like, what? I the like the idea of if so you're many driving, of you're confusing things. and there's a light on a tower behind you that you see in your rearview mirror, and you're driving down a windy road or whatever, and the tower just looks like it, that light doesn't look like it's getting any smaller. And it's following you, no matter you know you're winding and whatnot, and it's still behind you. I could see that being a bit disorienting, and like you know, if you're uh, already drunk or uh, again, <laughs> there's no evidence are, of that. By the way, these but, people um, had so many road sodas. I'm already, I'm convinced <laughs> they pulled over too. Like I don't know, there are people aren't stupid. Oh yeah, that 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 light that doesn't move is chasing us. Like, do they also watch like a train on a TV? Like, it's coming in the room. Like, you know, <laughs> like I don't think so. Like, they, they're saying that they said they pulled over. Like, they they said they saw the shit fall over. They said they saw bipedal people. And you I guess, and I, like, they both decided to pass out. Or like, so it's either they're bullshitting, which they could just be like, let's lie. Uh-huh. Let's. That's the more plot. That's more plausible than just like they were drunk and fell asleep and you know vague and like the light was there like that and they just made this whole thing up. It's either they're lying or they're telling the truth. I think it's like or they might just be the first the stupidest the first recorded abductees. It wasn't like they're telling yeah. the truth or they're the stupidest people on earth who like yeah. took a 
some light sitting there in the corner of the UFO and pulled over and tore their dress and binoculars. Which so wouldn't make sense because in their occupations, you can't be dumb and be in those yeah, occupations. Yeah, and they, and they like decided to make all this bullshit up for like what reason? Just to, just because? Like the real thing is that do you know anything about their later life? If they try to make money and stuff from it, then you can be say they're bullshit. Yeah. Versus if they're There's like, uh, get away thousands and thousands of more details. I just have a skeleton right here. Like it okay. goes way 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 deeper, more details. Like she talks about her experience on the ship and. I think at one point um, she says, like, oh, the aliens showed me a map of the stars before I left. And one of them was going to give me the map, but one of the other aliens stopped him. And they actually brought in some specialist, some space guy, who asked her to point out the the, the star cluster that she remembered from the map. And she pointed it out. So it's a very strange experience as well right there. She she could just point it out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to be on the side of aliens with you, and I'm like, that one. Point point (laughs) out one of these six Uh, things. Ah, that one. That one, Tex. Yeah. I have heard of alien encounters where they they show them things. Yeah? Just to jog their memory, or just to, what, introduce info? I've heard a bunch of stuff. I mean, I I want to keep it to myself in case I get her, and then I can... I'm still (laughs) thinking a... Hypnotist, uh, drug addled. A circus guy uh, and a hypnotist got together to play a joke on this couple. Alien impersonating ice road trucker. <laughs> That's this. the best thing, actually, is the ice road trucker theory. That's way better than the the light and Venus's, you know. The water tower? Yeah, vagina trap. Something <laughs> <Yeah>. like. <laughs> Well, that's our experience, folks. Holy shit. Yeah. That's pretty epic, <laughs> especially coming off the last episode, too. Exactly. Yeah. I wanted to make it topical. That was so. perfect. Cool. Oh, wow. All right. I think it's about that time. I think it is. I'm scared. So it is time for our game that we play every show. And what's better than most is our weekly debate game where we randomly choose two subjects. Then our judge, me, puts a spin on it. Then our other two contestants debate it. So... Topic for this episode will be a cobra versus a pressure washer. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) And we'll hear how we spin it when I come back. And we're back. So before we went to the break, I pulled the topic for our what's better than most debate segment of the show. But we were told that there was a fan submission for Chupacabra versus Sasquatch or Bigfoot. So we're going to go with that one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. And um, I'll give Max Big Feet. Okay. And I'll give Sean Chupacabra. This is the prompt. This is a post-apocalyptic world where all the cats have turned into either Chupacabra or Big Feet. You have to... Which one would you have a better chance of surviving against... When all they have to do is touch you to kill you. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. So once again, it's a post-apocalyptic world. Uh-huh. All the cats in the world have transformed into either Chupacabra <laughs> or Bigfoot. Or Bigfoot. Which do you have a better chance of surviving against when all they have to do is touch you? And by the way, the Chupacabra, they're both bloodthirsty for humans. Okay. It's not like they only go for goats or anything. Okay. So question, question, yes. question. Yeah. I am a Chupacabra. I'm representing Chupacabra. Yes. Am I trying to convince you that Just they are the less question. lethal no. or more lethal? No, no the, that you have a better chance of surviving against them in a post, post-apocalyptic world. Okay. So, so I'm arguing that Bigfoot is more. Yes. Yeah, yes. Okay. It's more lethal. Got it. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do we understand? I think so. Who's going first? You're on Team Bigfoot. Yeah, no, I don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. 
Are we ready? Yes. Uh, did I say who's going first? No. no. Okay. Or, um, yeah. I'm going to let Bigfoot go first. Okay. Okay. We're going to get started. As you know, you get one minute each and then a 30-second rebuttal. So, Host Max, you'll start first going right now. Well, Bigfoot is not that fast. He's not. He's known for being kind of like a slow guy, and everyone's like, oh, there he is, and then they get fuzzy pictures because he's just a fuzzy dude. But chupacabras are interdimensional beings, as we all know, so they <laughs> transport everywhere to like eat their goats, and or in this case, humans, so they're basically teleporters. And as we all know as well, they're they're basically shaped like Chup- uh, like Slyther, Slyther from uh, Pokemans, so they basically have like scissor hands and stuff. Uh, uh, Bigfoot's basically a dude who's furry, so he's just as scary as any other strong man and stuff so yeah it sucks and everything but chupacabra definitely has the speed advantage over the bigfoot uh bigfoot they they, they claim he smells he smells really bad right so you'd know he's coming from way far away so you, there's an early detection they say they smell really bad and all the if you if this is a true encounter of the big feet right so it smells really bad um also they leave tracks so you'd see them in the area you're like holy shit gotta get out of here like because they they're famous for leaving tracks chupacabra interdimensional beings they just pop out of nowhere five seconds so yeah fuck chupacabra that did kill you. Okay, host Sean, you have one minute starting now. Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna put my whole argument on this one statement right here. Chupacabra doesn't attack humans. They only go for goats. They're known as the goat sucker. They are bo- both bloodthirsty so, for humans. I said in this that scenario. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> so the rest of this doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Moving forward. Uh, we'll give you a restart on your t- <laughs> no, talk. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot is huge. Bigfoot has a great reach. And if they're both bloodthirsty, I'm sure Bigfoot could cover more ground and be more intelligent than the stupid Goat Sucker. Goat Sucker is kind of mindless. Bigfoot has been evading humans for decades. This guy is smart. He's a he's a brilliant tactician. He's like the Batman of cryptozoological <laughs> creatures. Um uh chupacabra kind of brainless it's it's 15. more or less just a aggressive dog but in reality like that's fine you can avoid aggressive dogs you can't avoid an aggressive ape and fucking <laughs> let alone a, a mythological time teleporting interdimensional ape that's where i'm going with that okay interdimensional ape <laughs> okay. you're a <laughs> so max you have a 30 second rebuttal starting now, Bigfoot's not interdimensional. Chupacabra's interdimensional. We all, mm-hmm. everyone knows that. Bigfoot is a fuzzy teddy bear. They're basically like the 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 Bigfoot or the panda of the pseudo animal world. They're really cute and adorable. They have anime eyes. Like they're just cute. <laughs> Versus chupacabras <laughs> are gross, slimy, gross sh- things. And Bigfoot are nice. And they're slow. They're not this fast. He's fuck you. They're worth, like slithers are way faster or whatever. Chupacabras they're way faster. They're they're grotesque. No one likes them, and they're killing machines. Bigfoot, they'll they'd make you dinner if they could. But I mean, yeah, they're bloodthirsty, but not that much. Time's up. Okay, host Sean, you have a one minute. Re- I'm sorry, thirty second rebuttal starting now. Okay, so uh, Bigfoot is a bloodthirsty, eight foot tall, killing machine. This thing, this thing could probably rip a tree in half with its bare hands. It's fucking Bigfoot. So it, anime <laughs> eyes my ass. Its eyes are beady and bloodthirsty. Um, versus a bloodthirsty coyote. Like, come on, this thing's a, like a mangy. This thing's just a mangy little nothing animal. It's fine. It goes after Five goats. It goes after goats. It's not going after larger prey. It goes after this weak, stupid thing. Time's so it's up. probably not fast. Okay. Ukraine is weak. <laughs> All right. Wow, that was a good one. That turned out better than I thought. <sighs> okay. So uh, starting with host Max. Uh, speed advantage of the Chupacabra over the Bigfoot. You can smell the Bigfoot coming. I thought that was a good one. And they leave tracks. 
Also good. Good. <laughs> um, I, is it? It's not proven that they're interdimensional, so <laughs> I have to scrape that for both of you. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> what? No, they are. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I like Sean's point that obviously the Bigfoot's reach. Uh, it's more intelligent. It's been evading a, humans for decades. That's a great that was point. A good one too. Uh, brilliant tactician. I don't know so much. <laughs> <laughs> um killing machine i don't know if we as a human never died to a bigfoot or a reported one i don't know if they actually kill but you know it was interesting and of course the size the size difference um and you also pointed out it's interdimensional but you know (laughs) we we can't we can't go with that um the chupacabra are killers that's what they do is they actually kill things so that was an interesting point um but in the end of the day like all they have to do is touch you to kill you so I think um, the Bigfoot is going to take this one. <laughs> I yeah. won or lost? Sean won. Okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yes. I was thinking yeah. about it later Sorry. too. Like, yeah. You know, while you're while you're reading off there, Bigfoot, you're playing you're playing a game of hide and seek and tag. Yeah, exactly. With Bigfoot, yeah. <laughs> like, chances are he's going to win. Well, chupacabras are interdimensional. It's been proven many times, and so that was their biggest advantage. And versus Bigfoot, we all know they're just fuzzy, but they're on the earth, and they live in, I guess, caves. God, you guys don't know shit about what are they called? Not pseudo animals. They're called crypto. Crypto. Thank you. Yeah. I was trying to think of the something. name. Yeah, during the debate, pseudo animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a thing of like a pseudoscience. <laughs> All right. GG. GG is right. All right. So, have you guys heard about the Earth's new ocean? Uh, yes, the Southern Ocean. Right. Okay. I heard something about it, but I don't know any specific. Specifics. Is this an actual body of water or is this like a methane lake? Under it just the appeared ocean? out of nowhere. <laughs> no, it's an actual body of water. It's basically the water around Antarctica. Okay, 360 degrees or does it stop at like the Pacific and begin? Um, at, I think know, it is Indian 360 degrees. I'll tell you more information. They do mention like it's like, what do you say, rotating below the Earth and stuff. I'll just, I'll, let's just go into it. So the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Okay, so. Um, so can you name the other four oceans that have been recognized by the National Geographic Society when you see maps and stuff? What are the other four oceans? Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, and uh, Arctic. Arctic? Yeah, there you go. That okay. is, those are the four. If you had asked me that question, by the way, I, I might have only gotten specific. I'm really bad with geography. <laughs> so I just want to say that. So anyway, so yeah, the Atlantic, Pacific, Indian, Arctic, those are the four oceans that everyone recognizes. But uh, National Geographic Society has added another official ocean, the Southern Ocean. Mr. E got that. Is it all yeah. your your water studying? Water studies. Yeah. <laughs> so um, they say basically this is like just making it official now. So now it's in books and maps. But like people who, I guess, study the ocean or boating and that type of thing kind of refer to it as the Southern Ocean already. Okay. But now, like I said, uh, uh, June 8th, the World Ocean Day, the, the, the National Geographic Society announced it would henceforth be labeling the Southern Ocean as the fifth ocean on its maps of our planet. So... We have five oceans. What are the seven seas? God, that's so funny. I actually didn't even write that. So this article mentioned the seven seas, and that's did actually, really yeah, get, and I was like, seas. no one cares. Okay, fine. I guess you did care. Um, from what I recall now, the seven seas, I didn't write it down, but it was like something they've mentioned in since like ancient times. Like, yeah, right. oh, the, save it, the seven seas, and sometimes they changed and whatever, uh, and um, maybe you can look up. As the, the world grew. Where, yeah, exactly. I heard like they just kind of changed even whatever. So... So yeah, Arctic, North Atlantic, South Atlantic, North Pacific, South Pacific, Indian, and Southern Oceans. Totally, duh. The seven seas and the five oceans. So that one already includes the southern. 
Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah, so now they're calling it an ocean instead of a sea. What well, says Southern Oceans? But well, this one's new. called the Southern this Ocean. Go- right? Maybe Google's already updated and stuff. This is the fifth oh, ocean, bro. Oh, yeah, maybe. It just it happened. February of this year. So, yeah, yeah, dude. This happened Pretty on reason. June 8th, it said. So this kind of reminds me of, you know, Pluto not being a planet anymore, where they're just kind of right. getting more defined, right. on, you know, in a type of deal where, like, hey, this is, we're actually realizing that this is its own kind of region, so we need to classify it as something else, otherwise it's getting kind of crazy in here. Yeah, so why'd they make this change? Uh, basically, because there's a lot of, like, of things that actually live there, too. So, like, they call it also the Antarctic Circumpolar Current. That flows around the uh, Southern Ocean, and um, it was created 34 million uh, 34 million years ago, uh, when the continent of Antarctica separated from South America, allowing water to flow unimpeded around the bottom of the world. So it does flow around. That's what I was trying to right. get to. Yeah, yeah, 360 degrees around it. It doesn't start it somewhere and end somewhere correct, else. Or, yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So the ACC, or like I said, the Antarctic Circumpolar Current. Uh, it flows through all the waters that surround Antarctica until about 60 degrees south. And uh, most of the Southern Sea, or this ACC, is colder and slightly less salty than the ocean waters to the north. Huh. And thousands of marine species live only within the Southern Ocean. Ah, ACC. okay. Because yeah. I was wondering if they broke it up geographically, or maybe by temperature, salinity, That's what they variation. used to do. That's why all the other ones were kind of basically named about the, the land masses that were around it. Exactly. Yeah. But this one kind of like formed its own little thing. That's cool. I kind of thought I was just because, like, oh, there's a fifth ocean. Like, haha. Like, again, back to the, the Pluto thing. That's kind of what I feel like. It's, we have to update all the books now. Get well, a new book now. Now I kind of want seven oceans. Like, <laughs> you know, seven o- or seas. No, I want seven oceans to match the seven seas because now we're, we've. We've admitted one of the seas into the oceans. You know, it, it, oh, it got I an see. upgrade. It broke through the glass ceiling. <laughs> oh, so. No, you can't make all the seas oceans. Then there'll be fucking like 11 oceans. You're just letting all any ocean no, in. No, no. You got to do the seven original seas. Yeah, leave them as seas. No. Well, why do you want to make them oceans? Because you already let one in. Let all of them in. No. You fucking bigot. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that was a particularly large, like, there was six seas and one large sea. And they made like, okay, that one should be an ocean. Uh-huh. I know stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You better watch yourself. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you want it in seven systems. I am wanted in 12 seven. systems. <laughs> that's really it. I just like saying there's another ocean out there. But yeah, that's funny. Like, you always hear like, oh, there's a lake under the ocean. It's like a methane lake or something. So I like where your mind went in the beginning. For sure. Because I saw the headline for this and I was like, yeah, whatever. Methane lake. Like, kiss <laughs> my ass. It is always something like a new body of water. It's like, yeah. well, actually, it's in the water. This water is super cold yeah. and it sits it's a mile below the denser, surface. It's slightly goes like one feet down below the other. Exactly. It's tactically different water. Don't you get it? <laughs> this is good. <laughs> So I got a story here that kind of infects, or excuse me, affects the ocean. Uh, In a new study published in the journal Green Chemistry, researchers at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland have found a way to turn plastic into vanilla flavoring. Gross. Gross, really? I don't trust that at all. Really? Why Plastic, vanilla, I want it from where it should be, processed at these plants with chemicals from the actual bean plants. So that's- Not this plastic. What? Tell me more. So uh, you're right. What they're what they're after here is called vanillin, and it's the compound that carries most of the smell and taste of vanilla, and can be extracted naturally from vanilla beans, or also made synthetically. And here's the deal: from plastic, seventy nine percent of our current vanillin that we get in our products is made from petroleum products, as in you know they refine it from like crude oil. No. Right? Isn't that fascinating? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> so 
So what, there's going to be like a boat converting plastic to a bunch of vanilla, and then we can pour that vanilla. We could turn the oceans vanilla? Ooh, I like vanilla that. Vanilla oceans. <laughs> like salty and vanilla taste? Anyone? So, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'm not better than plastic, fan, yeah. right? Yeah. That's all we could do. So the way they're doing this, uh, this new study in turning the plastic, which is different than turning the petroleum product, because plastic is made from petroleum, but, you know, uh, instead of refining down the line or earlier in that process, uh, we're refining the plastic now. So the way they're doing that is they genetically engineered E. coli bacteria to convert, oh, I love this word, terephthalic acid into vanillin. Ooh. Vanillin sounds like a villain. I'm vanillin. Yep. That's it. I mean, there's nothing to that. I'm vanillin. Scientists warmed. I will turn the ocean's vanilla. The way they did this was uh, scientists warmed a microbial broth to 37 degrees Celsius for a day. And then uh, it's pretty much the same conditions as brewing beer. A A broth. Microbial broth. Broth. (laughs) With the plastic in it. And then the modified E. coli. And then they heated it up, brewed it for a day, and found that uh, a good portion of it had been converted into vanillin. Which is not vanilla, but it's what gives it the smell. Correct. The smell? The smell and the taste. <laughs> okay. So they can take this vanillin and add some water and make vanilla extract? Or is it. No. So what it's doing. Yeah, let me see here. Uh, Terephthalic acid and vanillin have very similar chemical compositions, and the engineered bacteria only needs to make minor changes to the number of hydrogens and oxygens that are bonded to the same carbon backbone. Of course. So, they get this terephthalic acid, mm-hmm. and then uh, the E. coli eats off or changes these chemical compositions of it and turns it into vanillin. Yeah. And the vanillin is... Awesome. E- edible? Vanillin is actually used in a shit ton of stuff here. Uh, found in food, cosmetics, uh, pharmaceuticals, cleaning, and herbicide products. So pretty much if you smell vanilla, it has vanillin in it. Probably. Yeah. And I'm sure it has some other uh, attributes to it that make it good for like cosmetics beyond just the smell. How do we get the plastic from the ocean? We still have to collect it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or can we, re- can we release this E. coli just into the ocean and just see what happens? Just let it breed and just turn the whole ocean's vanilla, basically. Vanilla, the, vil- the villain of vanilla. That's probably a bad thing if the ocean's turned vanilla flavored, huh? I've always said if if you just paved over the ocean, you wouldn't have this whole plastic problem. I want to get rid of it myself, yeah. Right. I've been, I've been wanting to just bomb the ocean. Just... My whole thing is yeah. I, I would take all the sand, like if I was ever king of the world, mm-hmm. I'd take all the sand on the beaches of the world and replace it with like foam cubes. So Ooh. that way you'd never like... You know, drag sand back to your car and have to shower off and shit. Just be a bunch of foam cubes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's my that's my goal for King of the World. I just like pack like uh, just spaceships full of water and just launch to the moon over and over again and just try to get water out of the ocean until eventually I can walk and find Atlantis <laughs> and stuff. <laughs> I'd create jobs. <laughs> that would create, create jobs. jobs. That's All for right. damn sure. Creating jobs. All right, so uh, Stephen Wallace, the University of Edinburgh, said, Our work challenges the perception of plastic being a problematic waste and instead demonstrates its new use as a carbon resource from which high-value products can be made. We just got to collect it out of the ocean, basically. Yeah, but if there's a profit to collecting it and then giving it to this company to transform, 
then that That'd will spur that will create jobs and spur uh you know cleaning the ocean. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah, we we talked about drones and stuff, right? That like go around and collect trash and bring it back to the shore and you know, Yeah, there was stuff. two episodes ago or something. Yeah, stuff like that. So if you just they had something to do with it instead of just burning it and creating more bad. Exactly. Right? I'm still would rather have vanilla oceans. <laughs> I think that'd be great. I'm rooting for concrete. <laughs> or foam. So like you're like so like this, in this scenario, a villain pours like something into the ocean, and in my scenario, just like it, it basically infects the entire ocean, and only change is vanilla. Your thing, he pours something into the concrete, it creates this chain reaction where it all just turns into concrete. Yes. So all the species that wow, that's definitely kind of sick though. You can like, I mean, this sucks. Like, <laughs> it sucks. Like, I mean, we die. We'd all die eventually. You can like yeah. walk around. That'd be kind of cool. But, but you'd make a lot of living space. Absolutely. No, no one thinks about the good things destroying the ocean would do. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid people. Don't think about the positives. Maybe we could just destroy one ocean for now and see how it goes. Maybe a sea. How about not an ocean? <laughs> like Something smaller. Well, there are seven of them. Yeah. Yeah. Walker. Chupacabra. Uh, <laughs> chupa chupa. So, um, I liked this story. It kind of was like a little. Basically, it boiled down to like a little tidbit. Like, if you do something a little slightly different, it could add more energy to something. And even though it has nothing okay. to do with this, it kind of reminded me of. Remember how you could, if you paint eyeballs on the back of a cow? They're like in Africa, they're less likely to be attacked by a lion. Right, because predators think those eyeballs are looking at them. Exactly, because lions are like ambush predators, and if they see your eyes, they're not going to attack you. So they see the the butt eyes and think it's a cow's looking at them. So I'm saying that because it's almost like something small you could do to get like a you know a better result type of deal. So this is about this is about wind turbines, and so right now we think with a wind turbine to maximize the exposure to wind, we basically place it. Like on top of tall towers, on the crest of hills, or miles offshore in the ocean. And that's how we're trying to get the most wind. But this new study is demonstrating how turbines nestled behind hills could actually produce higher amounts of energy than those out in the open or on top of the hill. Turbines nestled behind hills? Behind the hill. Okay, facing which direction, I guess? or like, uh, Wherever the wind's coming from, I guess. I don't... This is just a function of the wind uh, hits it better. When it's up against the yeah, hill. like I'll tell you what it's about, but like I, for some reason it kind of makes sense to me. Like it almost feels like it's like a, a the plane of a wing. You know, I mean, a wing of a plane, you know. Okay. Or like the way like wind just kind of the fact that the wind's going over the hill. Basically, I think it kind of like gets a kind of like a velocity whoosh, if you will. Okay. And it creates more of like a an area. But here, let's here's what the, here's what the scientists actually say. But um, kind yeah, of bottled but, just bottleneck. That's kind of how I took it. But like I said, uh, wind turbines could actually benefit from being placed behind the hills. Uh, so the scientists, they did a aerodynamic modeling technique called large eddy simulation, which allowed them to simulate the effects of a three-dimensional hill on this on these turbines. And basically, the team found that under some conditions, this particular arrangement actually increased the power production of a turbine by around 24%. Ooh. Wow. Right? Okay. So the wind speed immediately behind the hill is slower, which creates an area of low pressure, says the scientist. And so this low pressure area sucks in air from above where the wind is much stronger than it is close to the ground. This means that a wind turbine does not need to be higher to take advantage of the strong winds at higher altitudes. Huh. Dun, dun, dun. Blah, blah, blah. So that's all well and good. So in theory, if, if you're about to build some more wind turbines and stuff, you can maybe look into... Because they said certain circumstances, and this is still kind of, you know, theoretical, but, uh-huh. you know, it makes sense to me in my limited knowledge of wind turbines. Well, so if you're going to build them, maybe build one on top and maybe build one behind it and kind of start comparing the energy and be like, oh, this one is better type of deal. That, it kind of surprises me because you think they'd run 
simulations or whatnot, but I guess, uh, you know, you got to do it in practicality. They're, yeah, they're to... probably just excited that they had a wind turbine. Like, yeah, just start out there, get the wind. Now they're like, where is the best place to put it? Uh-huh. I mean, it makes sense. Like, oh, let's put it on the top. That's where the wind is. But I think really the the thermodynamic aerodynamics of it all, like, it actually kind of like gets funneled almost whoosh down like isn't that like you know if you're if there's a mountain in the distance can't you like feel like storms coming in or not and they kind of mm. i don't i don't know what i'm talking about obviously but it's a lot of air pressure i mean mystery you've done the drive out to vegas i mean we've all done the drive out to vegas yep. and we've seen all the wind turbines right yes i can't recall if i have ever seen any on one of the mountains or hills out there as opposed to most of the time i see them on flat land i agree yeah sometimes i see them on the hills but not after the crest or anything yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i mean i've seen them on hills to be fair yeah. too I've yeah seen them but not nestled behind them well exactly unless but, i couldn't see them but if you nestle behind, i love the way if you right. nestle behind you could see you get a 24 percent increase right? i wonder if it also matters about the shape of the hill too it probably does. Like I said, it's right. still some circumstances, I bet. But, yeah. but I think I another like thing that idea. happens, too, is like I think the wind kind of breaks a little bit. When when it crests the hill, I think it kind of roughs up and gets probably turbulent. Like a, yeah, like a so I think that something. might help the propulsion of the turbine there. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it gets all kicked up there. So um, there's other factors to consider, too, though, with this placement of the wind turbines, though. The simulation shows that this increase in wind leads to higher amounts of turbulence, which would cause greater wear and tear to the turbines. So you, you yeah, know, okay. You have to figure out the benefits outweigh that the type of damage the turbine might occur with this more intense wind or something. Because isn't that isn't that something about uh, wind turbines? Is they're not quite efficient. Like the carbon footprint going into them is not as much as we're taking out of it or we're I'm getting not, out I of it know, or something. Honestly, I, I don't really know. don't know. Might have been like an Adam's Adam ruins everything or I don't I don't. I know what you mean though. Probably there could be something like some like some certain recycling in theory. Like it's more of a pain in the ass to do it if we just made a new one. Right. It. Yeah. Right. All right, well, I got this one here. Uh, the FBI think they may have possibly, allegedly, who knows, allegedly. identified D.B. Cooper. Okay. Ooh. We've seen all these articles. Like, it's me. It was my grandpa. It was my grandpa. Right. So many times. So who was D.B. Cooper? So just a quick um, history yeah. lesson on D.B. Cooper. On Thanksgiving Eve, November 24th, 1971, a flight took off from Portland to Seattle. Shortly after taking off, a smartly dressed man approached one of the flight attendants and told her that he had a bomb, then demanded $200,000, four parachutes, and a refuel in Seattle. So when they landed in Seattle, the man received the bag of cash and parachutes, so he ordered all the passengers off the plane while it refueled, and then before telling the remaining crew to head towards Mexico City. Once the plane was back at its desired altitude, the man parachuted out and was never seen again. Uh, yeah. So a team of 40 worked on this theory using new evidence released by the FBI under the Freedom of Information Act. Ah, uh-huh, that's fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, the evidence released came in the form of five letters allegedly, possibly could have been sent by D.B. Cooper okay. to various newspapers after the incident. Telling him why he like I did it. Yeah, like I did it, and I I knew I would never be caught, and you why know, you boasting. That? I totally agree. I don't know why anyone would do that. Kind of a silly move. Um, and I've never heard these letters before. I, D, the DB Cooper maybe story maybe ended. Yeah, exactly. It, for me, it ended like once he jumped out of the plane, they found a couple hundred dollar bills scattered about. Yeah. Um, 
But apparently at the bottom of these letters is a series of numbers. And I, I couldn't figure out if it was all the letters or just this one, but uh, they matched up to serial numbers found in the L.A. Times archive. Of the money he took? or No. So these serial numbers matched. I, I can't tell if it was a story or a photo, but it was a, a series of um, stories about, uh, what was it, three army units back in the day in Vietnam. Okay. And within these army units is one man that served in all of them. And okay. his name is Robert Rackstraw, and he has been a suspect for years. In the, oh, really? Yes. So. So he's been a suspect for years, and then these letters that came in had a serial number to articles, time things. Some, something relating to these three army units. Like, huh. I, I, again, I can't tell if it was a photo or a, a newspaper clipping or a story or what Some it was. Some number that led to this. Yeah, but the serial number matched this archive that uh, pertained to these three army units. And the guy in those units and the was guy a suspect. In, this, in these units was already a suspect before this latest discovery. Why was it a suspect, I wonder? I don't know. But they have a couple dozen suspects, yeah. too. Yeah. And uh, this guy, he's a 74-year-old Vietnam vet, and he currently lives in San Diego. And they suspected him way back in 1978. Is there like some statute of limitations or something? They can't get him now? or Well, if they don't have any proof, you can't charge him with anything. Can they go ask him? They're like, hey, were you that? And he goes like, yeah, I totally was. I totally was, D.D. Cooper. You got me. I, right. I mean, I, I imagine he's on a very tight leash. Like... I don't want to say a no-fly list, but they're definitely checking out when he flies to the Swiss Alps or uh-huh. to the Cayman Islands or something. Like they know that'd be cool to get some like more proof. Like here's my journal, and then he just tells all that juicy stuff. Yeah, so who knows? Could be DB Cooper. Could be Loki. Could be Loki. <laughs> Watch that show, Loki. It's pretty good. Yeah, it is. I- I'm really enjoying it. I do too. All right, guys, you want to call it a day? Yeah. Thank you for the experience, Mister E. You're welcome. I liked it. Yeah, that was uh, that was trippy. Yeah, uh, I don't know what to make <laughs> Fun of that. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, next time we'll tell you about Max's experience with uh, a deadbolt lock. Hey, thanks for joining us on Better Than Most Things. Keep in mind that we are enthusiasts, not experts. If you want to know more about the topics we discussed, we encourage you to research them yourself and let us know if we missed anything. Submit your questions or interesting topics to our Discord. For all the latest updates, subscribe to our Twitter and Instagram, both at btmt underscore podcast. And please rate and subscribe on your podcast app.